You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Leviticus chapter 25, verses 1 through 7, the Sabbath rest for the land. Not only do people need to rest on the weekly Sabbath, but God instructs them to let the farmland rest unplowed and unused every seven years as well. They were to sow their fields, vineyards, and olive groves, and harvest their crops for six years, and then let it rest in the seventh year. This would allow for revitalization of the land. The nutrients in the soil would be reinvigorated and replenished. During that time, they and poor people and wild animals could eat from whatever grew naturally. This practice appears to be unique to Israel. This would teach them dependence on God. Later, because they would fail to do this, the length of their exile would be directly related to the number of years they failed to allow the land its Sabbath rests. Because for 490 years they failed to let the land rest, the exile lasted 70 Sabbath years, or 490 divided by 7 years. God warns, I will scatter you among the nations and draw out my sword and pursue you. Your land will be laid waste and your cities will lie in ruins. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbath years all the time that it lies desolate and you are in the country of your enemies. Then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. All the time that it lies desolate, the land will have the rest it did not have during the Sabbaths you lived in it. This law is called Shemitah, which means release. Modern Jews get around this law by selling or leasing their land to non-Jews for that year so it can continue to be cultivated without a pause, according to Stephen Erlanger of the New York Times. For those who do practice it, they are promoting it as ancient wisdom to address modern problems of climate change and environmental sustainability. Ethan Blake says the practice increases soil fertility. Verses 8 through 22, the year of Jubilee. Continuing to speak to the children of Israel through Moses on Mount Sinai, this section concerns the year of Jubilee. They were to count off 49 years, or seven sets of Sabbath years. Then they were to consecrate the 50th year as a year of Jubilee, which was a year for release of all debts, a return of all property, and a release from all bondage. Prisoners and captives were set free, slaves were released, and debtors absolved of their debts. All property would revert to its original owners. This prevented people from amassing large properties and gave opportunity and hope to those who had fallen on hard times. It officially began on the tenth day of the seventh month after the Day of Atonement with the blowing of a trumpet or ram's horn. The main theme of the year is the announcement of a proclamation of liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. They were not to sow nor reap, but only eat what grew naturally and could be taken directly from the fields, similar to the practice of Sabbath rest for the land every seven years. Since there was no reaping or sowing, this freed the people from work as well. So farmers took a sabbatical year. Now we think of sabbaticals for teachers or other workers who are granted one year off for every seven years worked in order to study, research, write, or travel. 
they were cautioned against oppressing or taking advantage of one another. This was in relation to the valuation of property or the amount remaining on debts. They were to take the years remaining to the Jubilee into account as they set a value on property. God told them, follow my decrees and be careful to obey my laws and you will live safely in the land. Then the land will yield its fruit and you will eat your fill and live there in safety. Cruelty and dishonest practices were contrary to the character of God and they were to be different. Both the weekly Sabbath rest, the festivals, and the seventh year Sabbath and year of Jubilee would have made Israel stand out among the nations surrounding them. When the people first heard this command, applicable every seven years and in the fiftieth year as well, they may have asked, what will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? The answer was the manna principle, which this generation was still experiencing. With manna, God rained down twice as much on the sixth day so that they would not have to gather any on the Sabbath. God said, I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. While you plant during the eighth year, you will eat from the old crop and will continue to eat from it until the harvest of the ninth year comes in. Verses 23 to 34, Redemption of Property An important aspect of this year was that the land remained in the tribe to which it was allotted. The land must not be sold permanently, because the land is mine, and you reside in my land as foreigners and strangers. They must remember that God owned everything, and they owned nothing. God had given it to them as tenants and stewards, therefore they had to take care not to sell it permanently. Later, during the time of the judges, when challenged about taking the land, they said, Will you not take what your god Chemosh gives you? Likewise, whatever the Lord our God has given us, we will possess. There were instructions regarding how to value the land if it is sold early on, when the year of Jubilee is still far off, as opposed to if it is upcoming soon. They were instructed to redeem or buy back the land on behalf of an impoverished relative if the person was unable to do it themselves, so that it would not be transferred to foreigners or to other tribes. We see this illustrated beautifully in the book of Ruth, where Boaz becomes the kinsman redeemer for Naomi, because they were not able to close they were not close to the year of Jubilee, and she was too poor to redeem it. In regards to the land of the Levites, who would not be in possession of a particular area, uh, but would have cities within the other tribes, there there were different rules of redemption. Their fields could not be sold since they were a permanent possession. Verses 35 to 38, Treatment of the Poor. God says, If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner and stranger, so they can continue to live among you. Do not take interest or any profit from them, but fear your God, so that they may continue to live among you. You must not lend them money at interest or sell them food at a profit. Deuteronomy 23:19 and 20 repeats this. Do not charge a fellow Israelite interest, whether on money or food, 
or anything else that may earn interest. You may charge a foreigner interest, but not a fellow Israelites, Israelite, so that the Lord your God may bless you in everything you put your hand to in the land you are entering to possess. So the reason for this kindness is the kindness God showed to them in redeeming them, gifting the land to them, and entering into relationship with them. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. Verses 39 to 46, Slavery. We've treated the issue of slavery recently in the podcast on Leviticus chapter 22, so please refer there. This section specifies that even if a fellow Israelite became so poor that they had to sell themselves to another Israelite to pay their debts, they were not to be forced to work as slaves, but should be treated as hired workers or temporary residents. Even so, this was to continue only until the year of Jubilee, when they and their children were to be released so they could return to their own clans and to the property of their ancestors. The reason? Again, it is tied to their redemption from Egypt, where they had been treated ruthlessly. Because the Israelites are my servants, whom I brought out of Egypt, they must not be sold as slaves. Do not rule over them ruthlessly, but fear your God. They must remember that both master and servant are God's servants. Slaves could come from the surrounding nations and were not required to be released during the year of Jubilee like Israelite servants were. When King Solomon comes to power and begins his building projects, he obeys this command. In 1 Kings 9, 20-22, it says, There were still people left from the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. These peoples were not Israelites. Solomon conscripted the descendants of all these peoples remaining in the land whom the Israelites could not exterminate to serve as slave labor as it is to this day. But Solomon did not make slaves of any of the Israelites. They were his fighting men, his government officials, his officers, his captains, and the commanders of his chariots and charioteers. Verses 47 to 55, Redemption of Property in Relation to Foreigners. Israelites were expected to redeem the land of a fellow Israelite who had fallen on hard times and was forced to sell their land. And this was applicable even if it had been sold to a rich foreigner who lived among them. These were the laws of the land that even foreigners had to abide by in order for the land to remain in the tribe to which it was allotted. Even if they and their land could not be redeemed in the earlier years, they were to be released in the year of Jubilee. For people who are trying to make money, the Sabbath makes no economic sense. But God is teaching them an important lesson. He must be more important than anything else, more important than any work or any commerce. So they are to drop everything, once a week, one year every seven years, and one year every 50 years. It demonstrates dependence on God and recognition of His providential care and provision. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the Gospel do we find in this chapter? The law could not be sold permanently, since it belonged to God and they were merely strangers and pilgrims in it. Both Jacob and Esau recognized that, 
like Abraham and Isaac before them, they were strangers in the land where they lived. We are also strangers and pilgrims in this world. All they had in the land they would inherit was given to them as stewards. We are stewards as well and must be faithful. The year of Jubilee was joyful. The trumpet sound announcing it came right after the Day of Atonement. This foreshadows the blessing of the Gospel. Because atonement has been made for our sin, we can rejoice in our freedom. Because they were to stop work once a week, one year every seven years, and one year every fifty years, and had to cancel all debts and return any land, it checked covetousness. We are to beware of greed as well. They could trust that God would provide for them, and we can as well. By keeping the tribes and their land distinct, it could then be recognized when the Messiah, Jesus, came through the tribe of Judah in the line of David and was born in Bethlehem and lived and ministered in Galilee, all in keeping with scriptures. The fear of God would keep them from oppressing one another. This still applies to believers. They were to be kind to the poor because they had been shown kindness and mercy by God. We are as well. The kinsman redeemer was responsible to help a needy relative. Jesus calls us his brothers. He is qualified to redeem. He has the resources and love to release us from our slavery. And we'll look at this more when we study the book of Ruth. You've been listening to the Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Leviticus chapter 26. May God bless the study of his word.